Well, hey, hey, everyone. This is Dana Shea, and you are listening to Real Relationship Talk. Welcome to episode 51. We have an amazing conversation coming up today with some new friends of mine, Joseph and Marissa Unsefia. Say that with me, Unsefia such a distinct last name. Joseph is from Tanzania, and uh, that's where he gets that really cool last name. But we are going to have a conversation with Joseph and Marissa. They are a part of our Young and Married series here. Joseph and Marissa actually are 32 and 35, so they are right in the thick of the millennial generation. They have such a voice and such influence with this generation. And so I thought it was really important to bring them on the podcast today. Their organization, their ministry, business, whatever you want to call it, is called Forever Marriages. And listen to this, you guys, they call their community Forever Bays. So that's why we have titled the podcast today, Marriage Values and Forever Bays. I think that sometimes we overlook the foundational principles that really make a marriage work. I mean, if you think about it, if you're making some sort of a dish, right? Like most dishes, most meals, most recipes, they have some staple ingredients. And if you do not include those staple ingredients, you can put all the seasonings and all the frills and all the extra things on top. But if you're missing those foundational ingredients, that recipe is going to be a disaster. And it's the same way with marriage. And I believe that when we talk about values, when we talk about expectations, some of those types of real foundational things, those are the elements that need to be included in order for a marriage to actually thrive. And so you are going to love this conversation. Joseph and Marissa share so much knowledge, you guys. Like literally at one point, I am scribbling notes all over my little notepad because what they were sharing was just so, so important. And I'm super excited that you get to listen to this conversation. But before we jump in, I want to encourage you to make sure if you have not already subscribed to the podcast that you subscribe. Subscribing to podcasts for me is so, so important. It's so helpful. When I wake up in the morning, all the podcasts that I'm subscribed to, they just pop up in my notifications. And so it's easy for me to find new episodes. So be sure to subscribe to the podcast. The second thing that I want to encourage you to do If you are not a part of our Facebook community, sister, brother, I'm telling you, you are missing out. We have been having some extraordinary conversations. There have been people that have been asking some really important questions in the Facebook group, and people have been sharing some really important information. We are actually about to embark on a prayer challenge for our marriages, and so I want you to be a part of that. So be sure to head on over to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Christian marriages and relationships. And I, of course, will link to that in the show notes of this podcast. I would love for you to be a part of our Facebook community. So without any further ado, let's go ahead and jump into our conversation today with the amazing, the super wise, the super helpful, Joseph and Marissa Umsefia.
All right, Joe and Marissa. Well, thanks again for being here today. I'm so excited to talk to you guys. Um, I love your platform. I love that you're specifically focused on millennial marriages too, because I think there's so many different marriage coaches and and you know relationship coaches, and they focus kind of on, on marriage as a whole. But I found that millennials they definitely have some different challenges in their marriages than some other couples do. So, how about you guys just start by just telling us a little bit about how you decided to start this platform. Um, Obviously, I know you're married and um, I'm assuming that you're probably taking some experience from your own marriage and sharing it with your crew. Um, But tell us a little bit about how you guys got started on this platform. Yeah, thank you so much for having us first and foremost. But yes, this journey started in 2017. And really, I woke up one day in 2016 and was like, wow, when I looked on social media, I just saw that there was this uh, dire need to to get into this space talking about marriage, but from God's perspective. You know, I saw a lot of negativity about marriage. I saw a lot of mistruths about marriage. And I'm like, well, as a married person, I feel like, you know, I should be talking about this and we should be talking about our experience and still giving encouragement because there was a lot of fear that I saw from our generation specifically about being married and almost denouncing marriage. And so I said, you know what? Marriage is still sacred. Marriage is still beautiful. Um, And we came up with this mantra that, that says, you know, marriage is not a game. Marriage is a covenant. Marriage is forever. Yeah. And I was that reluctant husband, fearful of what I don't know and putting ourselves out there. Uh, so just as an encouragement to anybody who is listening, uh, just that being able to be prayerful and say yes in trusting the vision that your spouse has and, and just being prayerful for God to use that and for you to say yes and just jump in and support them because that's what I did. I mean, initially I was like, oh, no, no way. And I put myself out there. I'm not doing that. But after prayer, saying, yes, let's do that. Mm -hmm. And um, the rest has been just a phenomenal Mm -hmm. journey and ride and growth and transformation. Uh, So you say yes (laughs) and trust your spouse, trust God. I love that, Joe. So the unity, I think that you all display, even in you just being uh, together and doing this platform together. Let me ask you a little bit about that reluctancy, though. Like, wh- what do you think that uh, what was fueling that? Was it like, I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want my I don't put my business out there. Like, what was that reluctance? Mostly, where was that coming from? Yeah, I'll say maybe two specific areas, but a lot of reasons, of course. Uh, one, I like my own relationship with Christ was shaky, right? It was, I was still developing that fairly young in my, in having a relationship. I grew up in the church. I knew God and all of that, uh, but my own relationship wasn't quite there. So putting myself out there when we have this mindset that you shut the world out of your marriage, like, you know, this is what you have is what you have and you do everything to protect, uh, to keep it private and, and, You know, you know the issues that you're going to be going through and y'all figure it out and deal with them. So putting ourselves out there in a platform such as this meant we would have had to be transparent. You know, a part of me wanted to protect our marriage by not just share. (laughs) Uh, But so just trusting God that he wants to use our voice and wanted to use 
this as a ministry to champion, to encourage, and to hold others accountable as well. Like this is how God is saying do marriage and we can't do it any other way, right? So just being able to hold each other accountable through encouragement, teaching, and just prayer. Uh, so that, you know, that that was, you know, the encouragement, I guess, or the turning point. It's okay, you're right, you're God, I am, you know, the clay, so we're going to do this. <laughs> yeah, no, I love it. I think it's so, it's so real. Like, you know, when you put yourself out there, when you put your marriage out there, it's like, we have to understand that we are also opening ourselves up to attack that we're opening ourselves up to um, a greater level of accountability in our own marriages. And so I think that that trepidation, if you will, um, is real. And it's something that my husband and I actually talk about all the time. Like we don't want to be that couple who's given all this advice and sharing all this knowledge and in our own marriage, you know, is, is jacked up. So, yeah. Well, I want to talk to you all specifically about millennial marriages. So we're doing this whole series called Young and Married. And I have such a soft spot in my heart because my husband and I were 18 and 21 when we got married and, you know, very, very young. And there wasn't a lot, like you said, Marissa, there, well, first of all, there was no social media back then, but there wasn't even a lot of just like real life couples who were willing to kind of take us under wing and tell us what we didn't know. And you don't find out what you don't know until you're in it. And then you're like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm, right. I'm so unprepared. Yeah. I, I had no idea I was going to have to deal with this issue or I had no idea that this person that I fell in love with is now all of a sudden like looking like my enemy, how do I deal with this? So I want to talk to you guys a little bit about the importance of having those values in your marriage. Um, Obviously, we're talking to mostly Christian couples, but there are for sure people who listen to this podcast who are not Christian. And Mm -hmm. this is good for them too, because we all have values. Everybody has some sort of a value system. Mm -hmm. So how important do you all think that is, first of all, to talk about before you get married? And then once you're in a marriage, how can couples, this is a two-parter, I guess. So once you're in a marriage, how can couples actually, um, even if they differ in their values, how can they come together to create some shared values in their marriage? Yeah, that's, that's yeah, a great that's question. Great. Um, so let me start with the first part and go just a little bit behind before that question actually comes. I think the first thing, when we're talking about values in marriage, uh, or any values, period, mm-hmm. we have to be able to identify where those values are coming from. And I think for by understanding the source of those values, now we can have a clear grounding as to what motivates us, what moves us, and what inspires us to take action. And for the millennial generation, especially when we were growing up, you know, mom and dad in many homes, in most homes, uh, whether you were blessed to have both parents in the household or they were a single household. Mom and dad worked their bus off to provide and to give us and give us the means that, you know, the lifestyle that we had. And that meant that our parents or our role models and what we saw mostly, especially when it came to marriage, yeah. was on TV. So the, 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 the TV relationships we saw, the, you know, the husband being modeled, the wife being modeled. And unfortunately, as great as those some of these show, shows were, you know, there was definitely, especially when it came to men, the fathers in many cases were either clueless and competent, um, not wanting to be as involved in the household. And that in a way shaped yes. what the, you know, our 
you know, vision or, you know, perception of what a husband is. And I'm sure that, you know, did the same thing for, you know, young ladies growing up as well. So we brought these into our marriage now and thinking, okay, this is how I'm going to be involved. This is not how I'm going to be involved. I'm going to go home. I'm going to work hard. And when I come home, I'm going to sit on the couch, cut on the TV and open a bottle of, I don't know, but life, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and that's life. And that I've done my job as a husband. But, you know, man, like you come into the other side now, you're a husband, and that doesn't even scratch the surface mm-hmm. of what your responsibilities and your roles are. But values have already been ingrained. So we have to, you know, see where those values come from and making sure that the first step that we do is check those values and align them with what does God have to say about mm-hmm. husbands? What does God have to say about wives? What does God have to say about your marriage and, and go from there? Right. And and so when it comes to couples who want to have shared values or, or establish shared values, we always advocate for at least three to five shared values. And some say, okay, well, I have my values. I have the things I care about. You know, my husband or my wife has the things they care about, but we can't seem to figure out what we care about together. And, and, and so we don't want you to overthink this. Um, first, understand that it's okay to have your individual like, core values and to have shared values. Yeah. You can have, they can coexist. And so, like, for example, um, you know, when, when Joseph and I finally sat down, I think in year three to, to do a values assessment, uh, we, we realized that a lot of our values um, were shared, but the level at the level of priority was different. So, for instance, um, friendship, um, family, you know, travel and and forgiveness and spirituality and service, you know, and and sex. So, so when we looked at them, we said, oh, well, we we both value these things, yeah. you know, but maybe I value spirituality at a ten, and you value it at a at a seven. Right. So then. It's not so much that we don't have shared values. It's how can we then bring them at a level at which we both are um, embedding them into our lives where we both feel that, okay, we're actually doing things that align with these values. So it should show up in your budget. It should show up in your schedule. If you value uh, uh, a family right, then you're going to make sure that you allot time to do that. And so really, it's just sitting down with your spouse and and starting to have conversations because we want to say nine out of 10, it's probably not happening. The conversation piece, um, it's a a very structured conversation, you know, and so most couples, what we see, uh, they kind of shy away from this conversation. It's not comfortable. comfortable. You know, it's not comfortable when it's like, okay, well, I thought that you like this and I thought we were going to do this. And, and, and so it's not comfortable in, in many situations, but the end result is that, okay, now we are on the same page. Now we can move forward. And this is when compromise comes in as well. You learn to compromise certain things. So when we, me and Joseph finally sat down and said, okay, these are our five marriage values these are the areas that we are going to focus on it gave us so much direction and so much more purpose we could add on so many other things but it was those five so if if you can agree to at least three to five areas yeah yes then you're you're definitely on the right on the right path and and you're still able to maintain your individuality right you know we're not saying that you 
completely go away in what you value right. and find fulfillment in. Uh, but I think identifying the values is one step. And then the second yeah. step is to make sure that you're revisiting them on yeah. in a consistent basis. So, you know, a strategy that we, you know, encourage others and we use is to make sure that, you know, we have a yearly uh, meeting where we kind of chart out what is the course of this year mm-hmm. and we have a year ending review and then we have quarterly meetings outside for our weekly meetings and we have a lot of meetings business <laughs> is a meeting. uh, marriage is a business uh but in your quarterly meetings maybe you revisit your values maybe one or two values values in which you're focusing on for mm-hmm. that quarter yeah and then looking at okay uh quarter one our values were service and you know, making sure we made time, more time for one another to grow our sexual intimacy, right? So now you're evaluating, how do we do in that? You know, you got to be able to rate yourself and be honest and find where's areas where you can celebrate some victories and find areas in which, all right, we definitely flunked that, but we're going to focus on this, this next quarter, right? That is so great. I love hearing you talk about marriage as a business. And and even as I'm listening to you, it's like this takes a lot of intentionality and a lot of effort, but that's what ma- that's what makes all the good marriages set apart from those who who are struggling, honestly. And I think sometimes people approach marriage like, "Oh, I'm just in love with this person and it's just going to naturally work out." But it's kind of like a ship without a rudder. Like it it needs to be guided into a certain direction in order for it to be successful. So the level of effort and the level of intentionality that you all are sharing, I think is super important, especially for for young couples to realize that this thing isn't just going to be good on its own. Like you really have to structure it in order for it to be good. And I love how even Joe, you're talking about like going back in and being honest and rating yourself just like at work. We all have, most of us uh, who have jobs, you know, you have some sort of performance evaluation and you have some sort of goals, you know, that you need to to to, uh, to reach. You've got some markers that somebody's going to give you. It's not just, you know, come in and just do no, your right. right. <laughs> you know, right. it's like, no, like these are the goals that you have. These are the expectations. And so that, that same level of intentionality, I love how you guys are both bringing that out because I think that that is, again, like what sets these marriages apart. So I want to segue a little bit, and, and I forget, one of you mentioned when we're talking about like the different roles um, in marriage. And this is one of the things I really love talking about, especially with young Christian marriages, because there's so much in the world, right? There's so much knowledge, quote unquote, there's so much advice out there that even Christian couples are falling prey to that's destroying their relationships. So I know that you all talk on your website a little bit about the difference between biblical roles and then traditional roles. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So traditional roles and gender roles is what we feel like is synonymous. You know, these are the things that society says that we should do as women, we should do as men, and even as wives and as husbands. And a lot of times that comes into the home, it comes into marriage. Now, these are negotiable in our eyes. Um, these can be based off of your strengths. You know, um, now when it comes to biblical roles, we see those as non-negotiable because they are commanded by God and outlined by him. Um, and so 
And of course, other parts of the Bible too, but mm-hmm. we, we usually reference Ephesians 5. And so uh, they're non-negotiable. These are commanded. Um, these will, these have been outlined for, for, for Christian marriages to be more in sync and to operate to the, the ultimate, like maximum potential. You know, when we understand that the husband is the head of the home and the wife is the help me and we call it uh, we do the CEO CFO analogy. So like Joseph, for instance, being the CEO, the president of the home and marriage, but I'm the CFO, every business, right. That we know that is great and, and is booming has a CEO and a CFO. They both have very, very important vital, vital roles, yeah. but they're different. You know, they're different and they're important and they work together right. to make the company and the business thrive. You know, you don't see one without the other, right? So it's like you need both. Both are essential. Um, But the other thing we want to point out is that these roles are equal, too, in God's eyes. Um, And so I know there's a lot out there about submission and not having a voice and not doing this and that. But we always want to go back to the word. Um, And so did you want to add a little bit to that, too? Yeah, I mean, I think there is so much. I and mean, we yeah. could probably spend the rest of this uh, podcast talking about this. But, yeah. you know, the enemy is the enemy of confusion. Or he's an agency, agent of confusion. Yeah. Yeah. And he does want us to see these two as the same, to see gender roles and your role as husband and wife the same, right? right, right. And like Marissa said, they're completely different. Uh, or at least we have flexibility on how yeah. we approach one and we have none how we approach the other. So God doesn't care who cooks and cleans in your house, right? right? You know what I'm saying? (laughs) But he calls the husband to be the head, meaning you are ultimately responsible, right? And I think Mm -hmm. we have to make sure that we go deeper in understanding in God's system of doing things. And I think Jesus, you know, clearly establishes this in the Beatitudes, Mm -hmm. right? Where like, it's the reverse. Like if, you know, like, you know, it's it's really like, if you want to be, first, then you got to be last. Mm. If you want to be great amongst you, you got to serve. You know what I'm saying? So as a husband, and a lot of wives love this when I say this, and a lot of dudes (laughs) are like, yo, what are you saying? What are you doing? Is that, man, like, ultimately, you are the servant in chief in your household as the husband. Uh, It's the needs of your wife and your family that come first. And the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 5, as Marissa said, he likens Christ and the husband. So a husband, you love your wife as Christ loved the church. They're like, what, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. It means you got to be able to die. And I think we are able to die in these big ways. You know what I'm saying? I, yeah. and I, I think in, in that moment, I pray it doesn't happen. I, I'll take a bullet from Marissa, no problem. You know, but it's the small dying to yeah. myself, right? When Marissa says, hey, that habit of yours is really draining our marriage and it is really draining me as your wife. Am I willing to give that up or to say, okay, you're right about that and be humble about it and find a way to address it? Or am I going to be combative about it and and cause to, you know, and and have that reason to continue to be a pain in our marriage? And I think those are the small ways in which we're called to die to ourselves. So we have to be able to distinguish between the gender roles and like Marissa said, we knew that in accordance with our strengths. In our yeah. house, 
I do all the cooking, you know, most of the cooking. Of <laughs> I enjoy cooking, you know, that's my strength. But there are other areas where traditionally men uh, do in their homes, mm -hmm. but Marissa does because she's more able in that area. And we have to be able to do that. But in no ways is a man negating his responsibility by not fulfilling all these gender roles, right? But your mm -hmm. ultimate respons responsibility as a husband is to protect your family. And your protection, we have to also look at the uh, spiritual protection, prayer, spending time with God, mm -hmm. uh, and, and then providing, right? You know, in providing, we also have to look at the spiritual. I mean, we're good at going to work and come back and, right. you know, here's right. the patient. Right. Right? <laughs> but how are you pro uh, providing for your family spiritually? You know, you're to be the teacher of God in your household. You know, you're the you're represent you're representing God in your household. How are you doing mm -hmm. that? So those those are the you know the way that at least when we understood it, right, right. things started clicking and then just God took it from there. Listen, I don't know if people understand y'all just gave them a seminar. <laughs> like that was so great. I love the CEO CFO analogy because, you know, just real talk. Like I think a lot, not even just millennial marriages, but even couples who are in their forties, fifties, you know, they have an issue with the whole submission thing because mm -hmm. so many have not seen it modeled. Well, I used mm -hmm. to say, you know, when I was growing up, like submission, that's like a, the S word, that's a curse word, you know, yeah, because yeah. It, I didn't see it modeled well. But when you think about a CEO and a CFO, the CEO is the one kind of quote in charge. The ultimate responsibility of the company comes on the CEO, but without the CFO, the CEO can't make a lot of decisions either. And so I think that when wives see themselves as somehow beneath their husbands or they feel like they're being stifled or they don't, they don't feel like their gifts are being quite, you know, on display or utilized, I think it's because they have a faulty idea. First of all, how God sees them, that yes. God doesn't see women as less than men. That as a matter of fact, I tell my husband all the time, I'm like, you know, the fact that God made a woman help me said this man needs some help. Okay. Yeah. Like <laughs> she said it's not good for that. He ain't gonna right. make it alone. That's like, right. He's like, sister, go help the man out, okay? Because he needs some help. But you know, there is no um there is no second class. You're as a woman, you're not a second class citizen in God's eyes. And I feel like in the world's eyes, a lot of times it's, you know, the reason that these gender roles are taken on such priority is because people don't have a healthy understanding of what the biblical role is. And they'll read verses from Ephesians 5 and other places. And if you're a strong alpha female, you're like, mm -mm, mm -mm, nope, I'm not doing that. But then when you understand as a woman that you get the privilege of coming under the protection of your husband, and it's like, ultimately, when we stand before God, God is going to talk to that husband about how did you watch over your family, just the same way as anyone would do with the, again, with the CEO of a company. And so that, to me, as a woman, as a wife, that gives me comfort to know that, you know what? The, the way that God has established marriage works. And can people take that out of context? Absolutely. Can people abuse it? Absolutely. But when you have an understanding of the way that God created it and how it's supposed to operate, I just think that gives us so much freedom. Yes, it does. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for sharing that. That was that was really, really great. And we're kind of coming to starting around the bend a little bit of this conversation. But I know you guys have been married for seven years. And so I want to find out, speaking of transparency, um, <laughs> what are some things that you all learned the hard way? Like when you got married, what are some things that you thought, okay, nobody ever told us this about marriage? Ooh. 
I would say community, you know, and that's one of the things that we're so passionate about, uh, especially in the millennial generation, our, our community that we have, the village that we call it. It's a mistake, really, that we find our, our generation making in others, too, that for some reason, marriage is supposed to be done in isolation. Yeah. You know, and uh, we think that's faulty thinking. Uh, we believe that it, it's it's detrimental to the marriage uh, uh, foundation and, and, the, and the longevity of marriage. Um, I think that in year two or three, we really started praying. At least I started praying more for um, Christian village minded, like marriage minded couples. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't like to say like-minded because some, that's too vague. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that in our community, it really should should be more defined. And, and so for marriages and millennial marriages, millennial couples that are listening, the three that we, we like to talk about is marriage-minded, kingdom-minded, and village-minded. So these are people who care about your marriage, care about you and your spouse. Mm-hmm. Because everyone that's married doesn't care. Everyone that's married doesn't value marriage. And and that's why it's so important to, to be selective, but not to be so selective that you aren't telling anyone what's going on. You know, that's one of the reasons why we see what couples wait six years until they actually reach out for help. So I think I would say for me, um was I, I just wish I knew how difficult it would be to build a village, to build a community, because it seemed like as soon as we got married, our friends, we were the first of our friends to get married, first of our siblings to get married. You know, so it's like almost like, oh, well, we can't really talk to them like that. Or we can't really hang with them like that. Um, but married couples need married friends and they also need their their village or tribe or squad whether you're single or married to be surrounded by them you know it's it's a life change that doesn't mean that they can no longer talk to you um so it's just something to consider for those listening that are uh single waiting to be married or desiring marriage and those who are married yeah um i think for me one of the biggest lesson um is around like it's around sexual intimacy, right? I think you, we all view marriage as, or we're taught that, especially in the church, like, you know, wait, wait, wait. And once you get into marriage, man, it's going to be glorious, right? But they don't mm-hmm. tell you the the level Learning. of intentionality yeah. uh, that, that, you know, cultivating this area of your intimacy, mm-hmm. right? You know, there, it, it's like everything else, you got to cultivate for it to be thriving. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there is, and then the enemy also does this where, you know, premarital, man, like, you know, urges, you know, like really lured towards, uh, you know, set, you know, uh, unmarried sex or before marriage sex. But also, it, you know, when you come to the other side, his main efforts are to, distract y'all two from having marriage you know marriage sex you know what i'm saying and it, it is working right for uh, in his case so we have to be more intentional about mm-hmm. that and you know we all have a responsibility to play in that and i had to understand that you know my role in understanding our whole intimacy and, and my role in making sure that i was decluttering marissa's mind 
in our bedroom by meeting other areas mm-hmm. of that, you know, responsibilities and, you know, making sure, you know, that if we always come back to this, if, if the sink is full of dishes, Marissa's <laughs> probably thinking about the full of dishes sinks when I, you know, mm-hmm. when we're trying to get busy, right? You know what I'm saying? So, uh, you know, just kind of make you as a husband uh, understanding your role in cultivating uh, sexual intimacy in your marriage. That is key mm-hmm. and that will... Uh, free up a lot of marriages, I think. Yeah. Um, and, and, and if you're able to uh, cultivate this area in such a strong way, I think you'll pay its dividends in all other aspects of your marriage. Oh, that is so, so great. You know, and I think, I think I say all the time, you know, married, married sex is the best sex. Like it should be the best. And kind of to your point, Marissa, toward the beginning of this conversation, you were saying that you were looking for good, solid marriage advice, and there's not a lot out there. And I think as I've looked and I've seen, you know, all of the um, sarcasm that that exists around married sex. And it's like, I saw something the other day and it was like, you know, a man was like reading this magazine and it said 101 positions and the wife was reading a magazine that said 101 excuses, you know? And I'm like, ah, (laughs) you know, like this whole um, idea that it's the man who's always wanting sex and it's the wife who's always trying to avoid it. Like, I think that we as Christian marriages, we can really put an end to that. And we can really begin to model that, you know, healthy married sex is the best sex. It's like God is in it. You know what I mean? Like God's not afraid of it. He's not ashamed of it, you know, and we do have to cultivate that. I love that you brought that out, Joe, because it's not something that just happens. Again, none of this stuff that we've been talking about just happens. Everything that we've been talking about has to be cultivated. There has to be a level of intentionality, effort, and then trial and error. You know, you got to try some stuff and then realize, oh, that doesn't work or that doesn't work for us. You know, so let's try this, you know, let's experiment. And and the whole idea of like it being a team effort, um, I think is is something that is really important for young couples to realize. I love that you brought out, uh, Marissa, that Mm -hmm. it takes a village. You're not just going to have a Mm -hmm. marriage that's glorious on your own. You need people like coaches and mentors and um, and friends who are supporting you and praying for you and encouraging you. And um, and so what you guys gave today, I just think it's such, such great, great knowledge, such great advice. And I'm, I'm so thankful for both of you just sharing with our community here all of your wisdom and, and so many blessings to you as you continue to build your community and as you continue to share with the couples that God is leading you to. I think you guys are super important in this space and um, I just wish you all the best. So thanks so much for being here today. If people want to find more information about you guys, how can they find you and what kind of resources would you like to share with them today? Yeah, so if you want to stay in touch with us, definitely visit our website at www dot forever dash marriages.com. You can also find us on social media, usually IG <laughs> at forever marriages again. Um, but we're also on Facebook and LinkedIn, but we would love to just chat with you. You can even send us a DM or an email. Um, and so we have a lot of great resources on our website that are free, but we also have a really great mini course. Yeah. Uh, marriage is a verb. And if you have listened to this uh, talk today and how we have talked about intentionality, mm-hmm. how your marriage requires action, requires you to be present. 
marriage is a verb. It's active. It's moving. It's mm-hmm. changing. It's growing. And you have to cultivate it. So uh, the four specific areas that we're looking at in yeah. marriage is a verb is values, expectations, roles. And we touched on about that. So we go a little bit deeper in distinguishing societal or gender roles with godly roles, yeah. on, you know, uh, biblical roles. And then we we'll talk about boundaries, healthy boundaries. It's a term that we shy away from, especially marriage, right. but healthy marriage boundaries will change the course of your marriage. So that is uh, a four part series course. Um, each, each course, you know, each session comes with practical exercises, yeah. uh, video lessons. So we just hope that you, know, you go on there, take a look. Um, if it's for you, I think it will truly bless your marriage. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you guys. Wow. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for having us. I appreciate that so much. Yeah. Thank you for your prayers and your support. All right. Well, I hope that you took some good notes during this podcast. If you didn't, of course, you can always come back and re-listen to the podcast. But let's not just be listeners. Like I said earlier, Joseph and Marissa really gave us some real practical wisdom here. So let's not only be listeners, let's be doers. I know that I am already starting to put certain things in practice that they've shared. And so I hope that you are as well. So thanks again, Joseph and Marissa, for everything that you offered us today. You have been such a blessing. And I am really excited about just growing our our friendship, our collaboration even further. Well, you guys, that wraps it up for today. Be sure to head on over to the show notes of this podcast where you will find the links to how you can connect with Joe and Marissa. You can find more about their Marriage is a Verb resource that they're offering us. And I will also post the link for you to join my Christian Marriages and Relationships group over on Facebook. So thank you so much for being a part of the Real Relationship Talk community. I so appreciate you guys. Cannot wait to talk to you next week on the next episode. Until then, my friends, take care, have a great week, and let's build some awesome marriages. Talk soon. I'm Don Hawkins, inviting you to be encouraged with my weekly podcast, Encouragement for You. To subscribe, go to lifeaudio.com.